Welcome to the Tiny Box Dialogues. This series was created to share the knowledge of our experts using real examples from real people with real stories. Welcome to Tiny Box Dialogues. Today we wanted to discuss how you can increase market share, revenue, or improve products by first understanding the elements of growth and laying the foundation by defining your own growth strategy. So today we're speaking to Stephanie Peters, passionate founder and CEO of Enable to Grow. Stephanie actively uh, supports her clients as a strategic visionary with a doer DNA uh, to achieve their goals with healthy and sustainable growth. So let's dive straight in. Why growth? I guess that's the first question. You've developed this amazing growth map, but why did you develop this growth map? Yeah, we came up with it because we realized it's important to have a holistic understanding and perspective on growth. And why growth? Because as we are uh, nature, we're humans, we are made to grow, to constantly grow. Eventually our physical growth start, stops hopefully, but we are supposed to continuously learn and evolve. We are not made to stay at the same place. That's, that's really to be understood. Growth is inherently good. That doesn't mean that we need to aggressively push for the next quarter growth, um, but it means that we want to be well set up for sustainable and healthy growth. So the growth map helps us. And that's how I developed that tool to really provide our clients a holistic overview of what growth is about. Not every organization is made for the same way of growth. Yeah. And that's why it's always helpful, as you know, to develop a tool, a framework, and also visualize it. Mm -hmm. And we visualized the, our growth map as a tree, and that uh, seemed very helpful for our clients to have it in front of them. I do want to get into why the tree and what the different elements of the tree are, because I think it's fantastic and it looks beautiful, of course. Um, but I guess that's one of the things I want to jump into is, you know, market share, innovative products, growth can take so many different forms. But people, I guess, clients didn't know where to start. Is that why this became a structure for them to follow, to understand why they should, you know, look at one piece of growth versus another? So let's talk us through the tree and why the tree and how that helps clients to understand where they are and where they need to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the pains in, in terms of developing a growth strategy um, are, are very diverse. You know, many companies are missing a vision. And if you don't have a vision, you don't know where to go. What's the next step? What's your growth strategy? Others just did too much. They, you know, wanted to grow in every dimension at the same time. And then you really feel significant pain of growth. Uh, because it's just not, not a clear focus, you know, and others still still did not have a clear understanding of the market where their growth opportunities are. And all of that can be nicely supported um, by, by our growth map. So let's start, imagine you have a tree in front of you. You look at the beginning, you look at the roots. Um, they may not always be visible, but they are very, very important. And they really build the fundament of being able to get support and have the right tools in, in, at hand in, in place. So it's about all the experiences you have internally, the methods and frameworks you're using, the tools you are applying, the, the, the knowledge within the company, and of course that can be supported externally by building a foundation of being able to grow. If you don't have the tools, you can't develop further. So that's important. And then afterwards, imagine a, a strong trunk, of course, but then it divides into several branches. And one key 
difference in the branches is one goes very much into the organic growth. How much can I grow from my organization itself? And how much do I do by mergers and acquisitions, by a buy and build strategy, as we call it today? Mm -hmm. What is the inorganic growth? Within the organic growth, you have, again, branches coming out into the, do I grow out of my existing business or do I completely create new business? That's definitely something that has to do a lot with the digital age we are now in. You know, you need to think of new digital business models. You can't only stay within your existing models. And then my favorite special branch, imagine it in a special color, <laughs> is the individual growth. Organizations forget that if as an individual, especially within the leadership, if you as a leader, if I as a CEO don't grow myself and don't learn and continuously evolve, my company can't grow. So how to enable that individual growth that in, in the end makes a culture and enables to develop that a growth mindset can be developed within an organization. That's the, the very special branch that I, I like to stress and underline because it often gets overlooked. I know that we've spoken a lot about growth mindset in the past, so I would like you to expand on what that means to you. Um, but before we go forward, I mean, you know, Enable to Grow Your Business in particular started in the field of digital transformation. Nowadays, it's expected that that's just embedded in every component of a growth strategy. Would you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And I started in Able to Grow as an Able to Grow. And the name says it was always meant to be a support, a sparings partner for a holistic growth. It just happened to be that um, the digital trends were so strong and the pains of our clients were so strong at the same time to say, we don't know how to go about it. That digital transformation for some time became the key growth driver for most of the established companies because they realized if we don't jump on this digital train now and think ourselves of it, we are, we are lost, you know, we are far behind. Yeah. Um, now I, I observe that it has been understood that, you know, it's one, it's one branch, maybe only a twig. There are many others around it uh, to be considered. And that's why it's so important to exactly now have that holistic view again, because digital transformation is like a tick mark. Yes, everybody is doing it in the midst of it, struggling with it, but it's, you know, it's in process. How about the other areas of growth that still need to be uh, looked at and, and made sure we have it um, we have an overview of it exactly. I know that we're going to talk about some takeaways later, but that, I think that what you discussed there is very specific to the growth mindset in terms of, I don't think that people were really open to it before, were they? I mean, so maybe you can tell us a bit about what you consider the growth mindset and how that supports the growth map that you've created. Yeah, I mean, growth mindset is, is a, a notion that comes from psychology. It wasn't, um, you know, defined by me and there are experts who have done it. But the, the typical thing is to, to understand is the psychologist differentiate between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And if you look a little bit on the generations, how, how things have evolved within organizations and beyond, the generation above us was very safety and security oriented. You know, they had a certain history that made them become, you know, just look for stability, just look for safety and security, completely understandable. But that didn't make them very open for change and for innovation and for new ideas. This is now much more our generation looking for 
performance, looking for growing also in a profitable way, seeing financial KPIs going up. Um, and I think the next trend will then be to, to balance it all both. You know, it's not all about performance in the end, but the growth mindset is very much about opening up, not staying in this flight or fight mode of, you know, having fear around you and just trying to survive. And this is why you are so focused on safety. It is opening up for new things, trying out new things, not fearing to, to have a negative experience to once lose or fail, but going up again and, and learning from it. So it's either, it, I think the typical notion that you can have in your mind is the, the, the attitude you have with a gross mindset is you can either win or learn. It's never a lose, you know, it's this open-mindedness and it's never hierarchical. It's never about my own status. It's not about optimizing my own success. It's about understanding that we are a network and that I will only grow uh, in a sustainable way if I connect with others and if I learn from others and if I see less a competition than a collaboration. That's that's basically it. And that's where I'm so fond of to understand that we have to establish growth mindsets within an organization. One thing I think that's really key and what everything that you said there is that there is this openness and willingness to realize that actually there's things happening outside of my company, outside of my even my industry that are going to impact what I'm doing within my business. And one of the twigs or the branches off of the growth map talks about peer-to-peer -peer, uh, leadership learning. And I think that this is relatively new demand that you've seen in the last few years. That must be an indication that even the traditional mindsets or the fixed mindsets are slowly coming around. Would you agree? I mean, you've been working with BCG for many years. So how does that also play into this peer-to-peer -peer interaction? Absolutely. Um, it, this is now a, a trend I'm very, very happy to observe as much as everybody talking about sustainability. You know, these are trends that were very small. When, when I started Enable to Grow, enablement was a very new term and I liked it so much it needed to be part of, you know, my company name. Um, so and this is this trend of not telling anymore what to be done. It's not the classic consulting. I give you a hundred PowerPoints and here's the solution and go about it. It's about taking your hand and accompanying you away, being your sparing partner on eye level. That already shows a big difference in thinking about who, who's your coach, who's your supporter. So it started with the enablement and now it's, it's collaboration. It's an, uh, it's enablement again on an eye level. And that's uh, why you picked a very nice example of the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, coaching, because it's not about, I tell you, it's not hierarchical and this is why I'm better. I'm not thinking in status, I'm thinking, hey, we are a diverse group. And here comes the next nice notion, diversity. You know, I have these strengths, you have another strengths. And this is why we work so well because we appreciate each other for the strengths and we learn from each other and we are open. So it all, it all comes in place. And I think we are starting nicely into this new paradigm shift. And speaking of paradigm shifts, uh, the economy of the EU is expected to grow by 4% in 2022. Of course, that's because we are emerging from the coronavirus lockdowns and, and delays in business. So in terms of timing, there's no better time to be planning a growth strategy. Wouldn't you agree? Are you seeing a lot of um, 
I, I know that Germany is still one of the most desirable places actually for business. It's the fourth largest economy still in the world, first yeah. in Europe, et cetera. Um, so the fact that there's still so much potential, are you seeing a shift even with Mittelstand, middle-sized companies, mid-sized companies within Germany or uh, an ex expansion of companies outside of their core country? Is that something that you're starting to see trend-wise? Yes. I mean, first of all, I feel very privileged to be, you know, to live in this country and to work here, which is so strong and which has shown very stable and sustainable growth in the past. But I think the real trigger and the need for thinking about a growth strategy comes from all the uncertainty that the pandemic has brought in and now that you know the said ukraine war is bringing us in all the questions again about how will this be will we have energy how will prices involve how much inflation all these question marks make this pain clear to organizations to say we are not really don't know where to steer you know first it was two years of going through fog and not knowing not not being able to view for five meters now we have overcome that. Now the next thing is coming. And learning to deal with uncertainty can be very nicely embedded in a solid strategy. But for that, you need to make the exercise of building a solid strategy of understanding how uncertain things are and always will be, how change is a natural part of our lives and will you know, be even uh, be the, the only constant in our life is change and how we can embrace this by building a strategy around it, thinking in scenarios and, and being much more agile in our, our work style to overcome it. So I think the timing is perfect. We are in a market that is strong and still has growth despite all the you know, difficulties um, to overcome. Um, and the German Mittelstand is a particularly strong segment that mo many of them are now waking up and I love the, the example of a company called Marantec, where the female CEO says, we are not a hidden champion. The typical um, notion in Germany is, you know, all of these Mittelstand hidden champions because they are in the middle of nowhere and nobody knows their names. Yeah. No, we are now following the open champion approach. You know, we are there. There's even a, a trend or, or, or new uh, movement starting called the new Mittelstand. This is exactly what we need. The timing is right. And, uh, you know, it's my job to support that, that new uh, movement uh, thinking and becoming future proof with my strategic advice. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I, just for anybody who's not familiar with German Mittelstand, when she says in the middle of nowhere, a lot of these German Mittelstand companies are privately owned and are um, their offices are usually in small villages around Germany. So when she says in the middle of nowhere, she means that just so that in case there's anybody listening who's not from Germany <laughs> I also think and I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here I also think that this pandemic has um it forced innovation right because now we've had to come up with new solutions whether that's healthcare and providing masks in, ma in mega quantity or antigen tests or whatever the case might be but there's been a lot of fantastic um startups bubbling up from that right so are you seeing an integration of these startups with uh, larger companies from the M&A perspective. And I am asking, I know this is putting you on the spot because we're supposed to be talking about your map, but I want to hear your, your oh, opinion good. on this. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it because, again, it gives me a positive outlook. Germany always seems to wake up if there is pressure, you know, then the innovation comes, but you need to put a lot of pressure on there until we slowly move out of a comfort zone and realize that there's something to be done. And what I like about this innovation that came up during the pandemic, it was customer centric. People thought about what do people need now that they haven't needed before? What has changed and how can I adapt to it? You know, many restaurants started to, to be a, a takeaway um, offering just to be to, to show it very simple, but some were even much more creative and came up with ideas that were brilliant, you know, but but smart and to the point and to the situation. And I think that's the most important learning. And this is what we now see in Brits and Mittelstand organizations as well. It's this courage again to say we have great ideas, we are innovative, but how do we make out of this idea a real, how do we grow it? How, how, how does the seed become a seedling, become a plant? And, and how do we scale it? This is something companies, established companies have a little bit neglected that this is a special pro process. We call it a scale up, you know, um, how does that work? And um, I'm happy that we get a lot of uh, questions and requests about, can you support? We have an innovation, we have an idea, we call it a little venture, but how do we bring these, as I call the Mittelstand ventures into life? How do you, how do you find a market for them? How is the go-to-market strategy? That's something we, we see a lot and I find it very encouraging and I only hope that it will stay that way. So I would add a caution to that, that do it sooner rather than later, because what the coronavirus showed us as well was that, you know, Peloton, they didn't have the capability to scale up because they sold out immediately and everybody wanted to work out at home. And that's not something yeah. they would have expected that they had to plan for. Right. So I almost feel like, like you say, change is the only constant. So what is the uncertainty that we need to plan for? Right. That's that's really what it comes down to. Um, Zoom, as an example, which is what we're using right now, I think they went from 10 million users to something like 250 million in a year. Uh, how do you manage that scale, right? And they even said, I think they openly said in, in a PR uh, release that this is not the way we wanted to grow. <laughs> no. Yeah, because they had broken. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, you know this, you worked with a company on the, um, and I, I, you know, the glamping, I think it's called. Um, but a lot of people were taking vacations locally within Germany because they couldn't fly, right? So you worked on a project that actually was before its time going to be in demand in Europe. Uh, do you want to mention it real briefly? Yes, uh, we, we looked at the camping market some years ago for a client and um, realized that there is an early digital trend, you know, the typical and already at that time before the pandemic we realized that the target group the typical camper in germany has changed it's not the typical persona is not the 60 plus year old uh, you know um, just got out of work now saved money to buy a camper and, and go and you know still be on a rather lower budget no it has completely changed suddenly new young people young um, uh, couples 
thought that it's the coolest thing to do their honeymoon as camping. And the no notion of glamping was um, developed, glamorous camping, because they wanted to be romantic. They wanted to have a little bit more luxury. And camping um, places, uh, you know, adjusted accordingly and built swimming pools and beautiful uh, outlooks and views and special huts and so on. So that was even before the pandemic. And I would say they were this, this segment was extremely lucky because they have kind of just develop the digital infrastructure that you know camping grounds could be found europe-wide now on platforms and not anymore on little books before everybody was looking on rather local camping than than flying abroad and this Great is exactly timing. the thing and, and that, i think timing. yeah and that i think was the biggest learning of the pandemic uh -huh. Almost any organization who already had built, let's call it digital infrastructure, that mm -hmm. already had some fundamental digital tools in place that was already reachable via a website, had a big advantage. You know, you had the direct connect to the customer. And I like that this learning, I think, has been, you know, now, now distributed and is now clear to all. Um, in times of uncertainty, having more than one channel to your customers is always a good idea and reduces very your risk. Advice. Very good advice. That one's definitely one for the books. Um, and, you know, just on that camping note, I don't I don't know about this term glamping. It's not my favorite, but I was at um, a hostel, actually. And hostels, you would think it's an 18-year-old or something. And in New Zealand, there are one bedrooms, private bathrooms, because they also realized that same trend was taking place. So I love that. Um, but that's a really good point. They were in place to deliver that before they had the uncertainty and crisis. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about is you've got to think outside of that normal day-to-day -day business, look at different ways to reach your customer and different tools to provide to your customer, um, to wait methods, services, whatever it is that you're, you're creating. Otherwise you could get lost the next pandemic when that happens or if that happens. Um, so let's come back to the growth map because I do want to give you time to give some takeaways. If I was a client that's coming to you, I mean, we've done market research before um, together in different projects, but if I'm a client and I know that we're doing really well, I've got that strong trunk, you know, what's the first step that you would suggest to them in terms of how do you know what the next step is? Is it new markets? Is it new products? Is it new niche? Like, well, where would you start with that analysis even as a, sta a starting point? Yeah, very, very important. And this is, was really my biggest learning that um, from the times at BCG, you know, to really have a strategic view of it and the portfolio matrix and things like this to say, where do we stand today to derive a clear vision is the most important thing. You know, where do we want to be? The next thing is to understand what is our DNA? What, is, what are our assets? What are our core competencies that we will be able to sustain in this market? And then you can, you know, you can add nicely to all the experiences and methods and tools. You have to have this very clear strategic view of where you want to go, the direction. Mm -hmm. And then the growth strategy comes in and you can look at the map and say, okay, let's, let's take an example. Our DNA is very sales oriented. We are a great sales organization, but we are not very technology focused and we are not very innovative then it may be a good idea looking at all the new technologies being developed and that innovation is a must nowadays and not a nice to have to think about an inorganic strategy 
and to look for targets, maybe startups, maybe you know competitors who have a technology that is so innovative that will move us ahead, mm -hmm. rather than trying to build in you know in short time an own technology uh, competence is not possible. You know, even apart the, the war for talent right now. Be clear on what your strengths are. And if you don't have a strength, but you find it necessary and important for the future, think about building it in terms of buy and build strategy. You know, you can also partner, but think about the inorganic way. If you feel you have a very strong existing business, but that's a little bit more of the cash cow as the BCG portfolio matrix would tell you, but the new stars are, are, looking, are lacking, then you need to look into new business. What does that mean? Where are new markets? Where can we internationalize in? What are new target customers that we have not addressed so far? Are there new business models? Certainly, you know, digital business models work differently than the traditional ones. And how do we, very important today, how do we acquire new talent? What is the talent strategy, talent acquisition strategy that works in this fierce market currently? So that's extremely important to stay with a strategic focus and derive it from the vision, be clear about what your DNA is, and then focus. You can't do all at once. We once had a client who said, here's our 200 page growth strategy. Um, you know, and Bill, you have to help us to implement through these 200 pages. And it was everything about growth you could find in a strategy book from internationalization to new pro developing new products to um, getting into a new, complete new target customer segment to becoming digital. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> there is no way you're doing this all at the same time. Let's make a roadmap. Let's focus one or the other, one after the other. And, and that's key as well. You know, don't try to think you need to do all at once. However, the one thing that I will say that always needs to be looked at in parallel is mm -hmm. where does the organization as such is supposed to grow to in which area? But how in parallel do I make sure that my people are growing? How do I enable them? How can I upskill them? You know, that's important. Don't neglect them. Don't think you can all exchange them. They are not on the market. Make sure that you're working with your existing people and develop them, believe in them, encourage them and offer them all the trainings and coachings. And if you don't have them internal, use external coaches and experts, you know, but make sure your people um, stay the fundament that you need also in the new skills. I really love that because um, with the recent news about Airbnb allowing their employees to work from anywhere, there's been a lot of chit chat about it and how this is the way that all organizations are going to have to go. And you spoke earlier about culture and that's uh, such a huge topic right now because the pandemic has really forced people to look at working with purpose. And I think that's a really important point as well. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I think that um, I, it, I'd be remiss not to bring up the fact that you also predated pandemic in realizing that bringing together experts um, that want to work on purpose-led projects uh, was exactly the right move because that's exactly what's happened during the pandemic. So you have a fantastic, I know, team of experts that you've brought in, but Enable to Grow really is uh, one of the companies that did start before the pandemic and realized that this is actually the way that people want to work in the future. So I just want to give you a couple of minutes if you want to say anything about that. Like, do you, because you work from home now. I mean, sure. BCG to working from home. 
yeah, to be honest, how, why did I um, found and able to grow? Because I came out of my own fixed mindset. You know, I thought I loved consulting. I enjoyed it so much. I loved developing new strategies, but it did not work with my personal, with my family life. You know, I was torn apart and you can't work these many hours and travel five days a week to the client when you have a family at home. So my vision at that time opening up and thinking what's the next big thing where do we go and it was you know 10 years ago um is it should be possible to to work in a more virtual way and i was always convinced that a real expert somebody who has done it seen it gone through the experience with 10 or even 20 years of experience can provide you so much more mm -hmm impact for you can help so much more an organization you know um so how do you bring them together and having a network of these experts working virtually trusting each other seeing each other often enough to build this trustful community but not having to stay at the client side five days a week was my vision and it has come yeah. true and <laughs> now um the pandemic has for us has changed that also now clients are, are happy to have a workshop on Zoom. Not every time, I'm a big fan for physical workshops, but it's a good mix, it's a hybrid. And we learn to trust each other, to get to know each other, but then we can choose for the more efficient way of working and to always have the right expert in front of you. And um, that's, that's what I really enjoy observing now. I have to admit, I'm a little bit biased because when I think about growth strategies, I do think about visionary leaders. And when I look at your growth map, I go immediately to the green branch about leadership development, because I really do feel that, you know, if you don't know where to start, like you say, start with a vision, but who needs to have that vision? And that would be your leadership team or your CEO. So starting there is always a good point, right? It's starting with the people. Again, I think one of our, our listeners actually mentioned the corporate culture should be a part of it. And I think you and I had a discussion about how corporate culture is all of it. Like you, you can't make new business without having the people behind it to support it. it. Like, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to say one last thing before I sign us off uh, in regards to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that would definitely be my, my takeaway about the entire notion of, you know, growth and growth strategy. How do you build it? A few things are all, always work in parallel. They're intertwined and, you know, in every piece of the growth map, so to say, and this is the culture. Um, it needs to go, growth mindset needs to be become part of the DNA. And I know it's difficult. And every human has a growth mindset for some time. And when the going gets tough, we go back into the fixed mindset. It, you can't switch it, you know, from black and white, but try to move in that direction and be open for it. Think of, you know, being much more agile than, than you can really build and establish a healthy growth culture in the future. So that's number one. The second is really take the time to develop a clear, a clear vision. Before you think of strategy, where is your vision and where do you want to go? And be very honest and open of where your strengths and where your weaknesses are and what you want to build, and, you know, where you can build on already today. Then, and that goes back to our initial point, how do you gain market share? How do you get revenue? That only works if if you really are very clear and have a vision um, where to go and then you focus on it, you know, yeah. the, the market share or the revenue are the, is the last result of having done everything right. It's yeah. not that you go for 10 million in revenues, you go for 
a very clear new business strategy, building new digital business models, because that works with you. And then these new digital business models with some patients will bring you all the revenue. All the reward. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. So there you have it. Remember, the growth map helps you build an ongoing, sustainable strategy. This audio will be shared on Spotify. This video will be shared on YouTube. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I will add how you can find Stephanie underneath both. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you, Raj. Bye. Tiny Box Academy. For more information, visit us at tinybox.academy.